Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 282 being recorded on Tuesday, November 30th, 2021. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason Scott Show listeners. Well, Jason, we are in the thick of it. We are recording this the day after Cyber Monday. Uh, this is our favorite time of the year. And who better to help us recap the Turkey Five than longtime friend of the show, Rob Garf. He is the VP and GM retail at Salesforce, and he is here to sling some hot data and some fresh takes. Welcome, Rob. Hey, Scott, Jason. It's great to be here as always. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, Rob. I, I feel like it wouldn't be holidays if I if we weren't recording a podcast with you. It's kind of an annual tradition. Absolutely. I look forward to it every year. Yeah. Uh, so before we jump into it, remind our listeners uh, uh, who you are and what you do for Salesforce. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm VP and GM for retail. So what that means is I oversee the industry product, solution, and insights. And the insights portion is really what brings me here today. We have a team whose charter is really to stay out in the industry, understand where the retail space is going. And that helps us really think about our products and solution, but also have really interesting and informative conversations with our customers as well. And most of that data and analysis is based on our shopping index. Our shopping index looks at all the data that flows through the commerce cloud platform. We obviously bubble that up. We strip out all the PII data and it really becomes the de facto standard of what's happening in retail. And this is our holiday. It's our Super Bowl where we really allow the data to come to life and um, not only project where the industry is going over the critical holiday time, but report on it. So it's been a, a couple of sleepless nights over the last week and really excited to be here today to crawl through the data and just have really good conversations with two good friends. Uh, we are excited to do it. And I, I'm extra excited because if I'm not mistaken, it seems like you you have a bigger scope than you did last time you were on the show. Did you get a promotion because of what a good job you did on the show? I think it was exactly that. Um, and I appreciate it, by the way. Your check is in the mail. Yeah, you know, um, certainly it's important to Salesforce to look at industries and industries as a practice within Salesforce is really been one of the focus, one of the priority areas uh, over the last couple of years. And so for retail, taking a real close look at what products, what solutions we have to bring to market across the entire supply chain. Obviously, in Salesforce, we grew up in the sales and service space, grew to marketing, commerce, now in analytics and data and collaboration. But we want to look at it always through the industry lens. And in this case, uh, that's retail. So it's my charter, along with the insights that I talked about a minute ago to oversee our product and solution strategy. So thanks for that help, by the way. Uh, it was well-earned and well-deserved. So uh, uh, good props to Salesforce Rec for recognizing talent. Um, and I, I want to call out, um, I feel like you're famous for three things. First, for being on the Jason and Scott show. Yes. Second, uh, for all the great work you do for and with your coworkers at Salesforce. 
And then uh, third, you are the um, kind of egotistical center of the whole Garfi movement. <laughs> you know, I miss that's one of the many things I miss about um, the pandemic is not being able to do live Garfis. I've been out on the road over the last, I don't know, I don't say four to six weeks or so. And it's been a highlight to get back at that a little bit. So can you promise me, gentlemen, in a couple of weeks, hopefully, knock on wood, we'll be back in New York for NRF and we can get another Garfi of us. And we can try it virtually here. It's just not always the same. So we can see how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. We're always up for a Garfi. And I've got several in my my library. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, But before we move on from that, explain to our listeners what a Garfi is. Yeah, of course. So Garfi, obviously a play on selfie. And, uh, you know, I struggled for a long time trying to find my persona via social. Uh, You know, first was LinkedIn. And, you know, what I realized is I spent a lot of time on the road. And when I'm on the road, I meet a lot of awesome people. And when I meet those people, I get really inspired. And so I just, you know, for no plan in particular, started taking pictures with them and me, whether it's one-on-one, one, you know, a few of us or me up on stage and just turning around and doing a selfie with a bunch of people in the crowd and a much more creative person than I am in Salesforce's social media team. All of a sudden one day I said, that's a Garfi. And then, you know, really where it came to life is over NRF, that same person had a great idea to say, hey, why don't we make some money for a charity by donating a certain amount of money um, for every time somebody takes a selfie or a Garfi with me? And that, I guess, I don't know, two or three years running, uh, we've connected and collaborated with the Retail Orphan Initiative, Greg Busick and Friends and uh, really raise money for kids in need. And so it has a nice altruistic um, angle to it, which of course is part of Salesforce and our 111 model and giving back um, really plays really closely to our values. So um, I'm able to you know, do a couple of things, um, really share with those in the social sphere what I'm up to, uh, hopefully helping inspire them like it's inspired me and then uh, finally raise some money in and around NRF. So that's kind of the, I don't know if I've ever shared in that much detail, the genesis of it, but it was fun doing it. So thanks for asking. Yeah. And I I also admire, I I feel like it's an underappreciated talent to take a good selfie. I feel like I really struggle to frame the photo well with my arm fully extended and hit the shutter. And you, I don't know if you started out doing it this easily, but I feel like uh, in, in more recent years, it seems like you do it effortlessly. So just hat, hats off to you on your quality of your selfies. Oh my, I mean, that's the best compliment I'll get all day or holiday. I can tell you that right now. I started, I was really bad, like really bad. And now my family, like I'm the go-to during holidays to be able to do it. So <laughs> um, yeah, it's, you know, chin up, um, don't go, you know, don't angle too high. Don't go too low. I mean, I could write probably a social post or a blog or I don't know. There might be something. Yeah, the, there, art of the, the art of the Garfi. 
the art of the coffee. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I strongly, I strongly encourage that. And then getting slightly closer to like topics that, <laughs> that our listeners came for. Uh, I, I do want to caveat one thing. We're going to be talking a lot about how holiday has played out and what the interesting trends are. And just, I want to underscore the main lens you're looking at this through is a online lens. So I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure the bulk of your clients are omni-channel and you, you get some, some good insight into what's happening in stores, but the actual data set is measuring uh, how, how much consumers shop and buy on websites. Is that, do I have that right? Totally. You got that right. I mean, if you think about it, as I mentioned, the shopping index, which we have throughout the year and we release it quarterly is really the backbone of it. It's billions and billions of shoppers digitally. It's across thousands of sites. It's across dozens and dozens of countries. Um, yeah, like you said, we do do primary research and we do have some instrumentation to understand some of the things that um, show the intersection between online and digital. But the short answer to your point, Jason, it is really primarily the digital shopping that we've seen. Well, cool. That's uh, that's really good backdrop, and we should definitely dig into the the Garfi thing on another episode. But um, <laughs> the uh, enough foreshadowing. How how are things going for the holiday season? Give us kind of the the big picture. Yeah, well, you know, coming into this, Scott, uh, the way we're looking at it, even going back till June, was you know, if last year's headline with Shipageddon was all around the last mile, how mm-hmm. and if products we're going to get to the doorstep of the consumer. This has been all about the first mile. You know, we've all heard about it. I think you're coining supply pain, right? So it's more of the inbound logistics, the container stuck off the port of LA and trouble getting the containers off the vessels in through the domestic supply chain. And that's really kind of cast the context for the holiday and you know the headline in addition to the first mile and the issues that retailers have been seeing is a pulling forward of holiday demand um you know it's something that retailers have wished for for decades upon decades and this year it actually came to life i have a lot more to share on that you know i can keep on going but i can also pause as well to see if you have any follow up questions or just you know, you can just wind me up and I can tell you a little bit more of what we're seeing broadly in the holiday so far. Yeah. Well, one of the theories was that, um, you know, the, the, the press wasn't shy about the supply pain and, and consumers, you know, when my aunt G is asking me about this stuff, I always, you know, I know it's reached the zeitgeist, um, yeah. how, when you say it pulled it forward, are you talking like, right. Even like before Halloween, you saw unusual activity or like, give us an idea of like how, how much of the, the oxygen moved to the front of the balloon there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. Oxygen moved to the front of the balloon. I like that. I might have to borrow that, Scott. Um, sure. Yeah, so so what we saw is that real demand got pulled forward. You know, if you look at the first two weeks of November, we saw an 18% year-over-year increase. And that is significant. Last year, we saw it a bit in October because Prime Day, if you remember, got pulled into October and we had that halo effect. So if you weren't named Amazon, you were still you know, getting some of that halo of the demand and the buzz and the conditioning that happened. Uh, but it really simmered down late October through November until the week before 
Cyber Week this year, really, you know, again, as I mentioned, 18% year over year increase for the first two weeks of November. Uh, you pull that out to the first three weeks of November, we saw a 10% year over year increase. So there actually was a pull forward. And, you know, I want to put this in con- context. As I mentioned, you know, retailers um, have been hoping and dreaming for this forever. I call this discount chicken. You might remember I referenced this last year, probably the last couple mm-hmm. of years I've been on the show. And this is this phenomenon where retailers go into the holiday season with this amazing promotional calendar, all the expertise, all the data, all the analysis. And after the first week, they usually rip it up, call an audible, and they chase the discount. And, you know, consumers have been conditioned to wait it out. And consumers typically win the game of discount chicken. They wait until Black Friday. They wait until Cyber Monday for that last big deal. And um, this year, I have to say, given what we've seen so far, consumers aren't winning at that game. Uh, Retailers have really held their own on discounts. And you combine that with, like you mentioned, the headlines that consumers were seeing around the supply chain um, and, you know, inflationary concerns as well. And they were actually buying early. And that did have an impact, by the way, spoiler alert, on Cyber Week all, you know, all in. Uh, awesome. Well, you you opened the door, so let's dive in there. So first of all, um, you you call it Cyber Week. And so what what is that week to you? Does that start Thursday, Friday? When does it start? Yeah, good good call. So yeah, we look at Cyber Week from the Tuesday before American Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday. It's the way we've been reporting on it for the last bunch of years. And just for like for like now analysis, we've kept that. I know there's the Turkey Five and the Cyber Five that certainly are looked at for benchmarks. And you know, partly why we do that is we started to see early on a smoothing out of demand, not just through the course of November, as I just referenced before, but over the course of the week. And we wanted to represent that in a more holistic way. So, you know, the short answer to your question, uh, we look at it from the Tuesday before Thanksgiving all the way through Cyber Monday. Perfect. And fun fact for our listeners, Thanksgiving is obviously a North American holiday, but Black Friday and Cyber Week are global phenomenons, which is interesting. The holiday is not global, but the shopping is. So how did Cyber Week play out? We're recording this a day after Cyber Week. So were we up from 2020? And I'd also love to know how we did versus 2019. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we were up. So for the course of Cyber Week, we were up 4% year over year. And that represents about $62 billion with a B of digital revenue. And, um, you know, you look at that number and you say, wow, that's kind of, you know, muted. It's kind of leveling off. And candidly, it is uh, because we saw such a significant spike to your point from 2019 to 2020. So there's a whole new baseline that's been set. But to really replicate that seismic growth that we saw last year with non-essential retail closed, people really focused on their health and their safety, also looking at dealing with retailers that provided convenience and trust. Um, I see 4% year over year as you know, as good as you know a retailer should hope, right? Again, because retailers should have seen, brands should have seen that pulling forward of demand earlier in the season. 
Yeah. And then can you, uh, and part of it is last year was a monster year for digital. So like, do you, do you have your, like, do you do a, uh, a two year, year over year, or do you remember what the growth was last year for cyber week, just for frame for comparison? You know, I don't have that exact number in front of me, what I can say for the holiday. So November and December was 50% year over year growth. So, you know, you got to imagine cyber week was way up there. I can tell you that for, for, Black Friday in the U.S., because those are U.S. numbers, just to remind you, the $62 billion at the 4% year-over-year, we saw a 20% growth um, on Black Friday. So that gives you a sense of what you saw throughout the year. Yeah. A lot of the growth last year actually came the week before Cyber Week, and in large part because of the two of you. Everybody saw ship again, and like everybody, right, it made the Today Show large part really in the growth before cyber week last year we saw something like 80% year over year growth for the week before cyber week because consumers saw the headline you know i was asked by a customer just recently in the specialty apparel space who worked for the wholesale division asking will this year consumers understand the issues that are happening in the inbound supply chain Unlike last year, where Shipageddon was front and center. I mean, we all felt the Bermuda Triangle of packages being, you know, delayed significantly. So as a consumer, that kind of triggered you to think, hey, maybe I should buy early to make sure I get the product. And also, by the way, maybe I should buy online and pick up at store so I know I can actually pick it up because it's more the last mile under my control. So that's my long way of saying, once again, we saw growth last year in large part pre-Cyber Week. Black Friday, uh, we saw 20%. So this 4%, bringing it back today uh, around Cyber Week, was you know leveling off from prior years, but was on such a significant or based on such a significant new normal that we really hit last year. And by the way, we don't see this snapping back to what we saw before the pandemic. Yeah, I, I think that's a mistake people make in it uh, in their in their head when they're looking at growth rates. They see this year's four percent is smaller than last year's uh, twenty to thirty percent, and they say, "Oh gosh, digital is shrinking." And no, it's it's growing off a huge number from last year. It's just growing at a small a, a slower rate than it than it did last year. Exactly. And by the way, people are getting back into the store, right? Uh, especially. For those non-essential retail where experience means something and they want to go talk to a knowledgeable store associate, they want to touch and feel the product, you know, they actually want to see friends out in a mall, believe it or not. And so there's, um, you know, a rising tide here that's really lifting both digital and physical. So you can't kind of look at one without the other. I don't think there's a cannibalization happening per se, because you're still seeing growth, but you can't forget what's happening in store this holiday. Yeah, it, it's super interesting. And and so I did, just to highlight like a macro trend that you're sort of underscoring here. So this year, Cyber Week uh, grew around 4%, but holiday digital is growing at like 10%. So I'm going to, I'm going to do risky public math. Um, that sounds like the, the holiday spike is kind of flattening out and, and holiday is becoming more about that whole, um, cyber November, if you will, instead of instead of cyber week. Is that do I have that right? You got it spot on, Jason. You know, just throwing some more numbers at you. 
because um, I know you love them, but I know there's a lot, is that for November, and you hit it, by the way, you said 10%. We, we saw, based on our numbers, 9% year-over-year growth across the month of November. And so in the U.S., that represents $136 billion of online sales. So there is this smoothing out. There is this flattening. Uh, I'm not ready to put the nail in the coffin for Cyber Monday and Black Friday. Uh, just, you know, consumers are just so conditioned to shop on those days. But uh, retailers can't ignore uh, the fact that, you know, these spikes are still relevant, but there is a smoothing out that started even before this year. And we saw it even more pronounced this year. Yeah. I was talking to a, a very big client and they were talking about how um, early in his career, they used to celebrate this anomaly where the, where like during Cyber Week, they would have their their billion dollar day in total retail sales. Um, and uh, this year, every day in November is a billion dollar day for them. So, that, wow. uh, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I am still curious, even though it, it does seem like it's slightly re- less relevant, it still is a super interesting novel to me, novelty to me. Can you break down the, the key days within Cyber Week? Like uh, I'm always interested in uh, e-commerce sales on Black Friday versus Cyber Monday and whether, you know, with the, the, sm- the advent of the smartphone, are we selling more stuff at the, the Thanksgiving table on Thursday? Um, what, what sort of trends did you see across the week? Yep. 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 I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's dive into that. Uh, you know, a couple of things here, you know, cyber Monday, we saw a 3% year over year growth representing 11.3 billion in digital sales on black Friday. We saw 5% year over year growth, which represented 13.4 billion in online sales. And so, we saw, and this isn't the first year of this, it's happening over the course of the last three or four, maybe even five years, that Black Friday is a bigger digital sales day than Cyber Monday. Uh, let me say that again. Black Friday, according to our data, is a bigger digital sales day than Cyber Monday. A lot of that, you hinted at it, Jason, is that you know Cyber Monday, you all know this was really coming to bear from our friends at the National Retail Federation to coin a term to signify people getting back into their office when the internet was not so great at home so they can get high-speed connectivity and shop. But now we're all connected, right? We're all connected all the time. And so, in fact, over the course of Cyber Week, 61% of orders and close to 80% of traffic was on a mobile device. By the way, that's phone to be specific. That doesn't include your uh, tablets. And so there is this moving out partly because of connectivity. Uh, What we saw in Thanksgiving for the last couple of years is um, a growing um, disproportionate growth, I'll say, over Thanksgiving because you kind of finish your meal, you're done with your um, crazy Uncle Lou and you want to sit on the couch a little bit, decompress and you pull out your phone and, you know, shopping generally and especially over the holiday is, you know, totally embedded and fragmented now. You often get inspired by what you see on your phone and you start shopping. What we saw uh, this Thanksgiving actually was 
there was a little bit of leveling off. We feel like people were more present last year. I know I didn't have Thanksgiving and the one or two times over the holiday we did get together last year was underneath our patio heater. We probably were one of the last people in the country to get one and our fire pit and people wanted to be present this year. And so um, it wasn't as strong. What I thought was interesting is uh, two more points I'll make is Saturday and Sunday were pretty strong. And those are generally pretty light days, but this year people were online and people were buying. Um, so, you know, I'll pause there, probably a lot more to talk about, but uh, certainly again, you see these peaks happening with Cyber Monday, with Black Friday, in particular for Friday, uh, Black Friday, where I should say one more thing, because I'm just thinking about it, is, you know, obviously Black Friday digitally was really large because more stores were closed. And even if they were open, people still felt more comfortable buying online. Yeah, uh, just just to sort of echo that point, uh, uh, Walmart told me that in 2019, they sold $8 billion worth of turkeys on Thanksgiving. And this year they sold $10 billion worth of turkeys. Wow. So a, like a 20% jump in, in uh, American turkey consumption. So that, uh, <laughs> That's that, crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so clearly indicating that uh, people were excited and did get, get back together. So I almost wondered if that was going to put a damper on the online shopping, but it, it seems like it really didn't. Not across the entire cyber week. It was still, again... I, I, I'll risk even saying healthy, but probably closer to moderate growth is what I've been talking to our customers about. But again, that growth um, really or moderate growth is because of the earlier demand, which retailers, that's what they wanted. That's what they got. They should be smiling and be happy. Very cool. So just for the record, Black Friday, bigger than Cyber Monday for the first time. That's pretty. I think it's worth saying again. <clears throat> Yeah, it it is. It's kind of interesting because, you know, Black Friday, you think about it as such a physical store holiday. Right. And uh, it's really smoothing out. And I know I've used that word before, but it's really the theme for this holiday. And I think yeah. we'll see. And I think it is a sign of things to come, by the way. I don't think this is now an anomaly, but rather how we're going to view the holiday season moving forward. Finally, um, it didn't really, by the way pull as forward as I would have suspected into October. We saw some blips here and there based on the promotional calendar, but it really started in earnest um, on November 1st. Yeah. Um, as a pure play e-commerce guy, I'm glad we kind of overtook Black Friday. And uh, so, yeah. The So now that, now that we're through these key days, does it change your forecast up, down, or you feel like it's kind of – right in line with what you guys were expecting. Yeah, we were expecting 10% growth over the course of the holiday in the US and 7% growth globally. We're sticking to that right now. Uh, we're about just shy of 50% of all digital sales in the books for this holiday, but we still have a way to go. And in fact, uh, fun fact, I guess, it wasn't the exact question, Scott, you asked, but I'll throw <laughs> it out there, is uh, about one third of all digital sales happen in November and December. Um, so yeah, we expect um, there are still a lot of sales to be had out there and we are anticipating uh, similar results. And so we're staying pat on our 10% our growth year over year across the entire holiday season for digital. 
Very cool. Any indications in the data so far? If you know, you mentioned kind of that first mile. Any indications if other than it pulling forward that it's you know that it's causing any kind of problems like increased stockouts or we've had this first wave and you're worried there won't be anything on the shelves at the back end or, or what, what do you see in there? We do see some concern with that. You know, I've been cautioning anybody I've talked to, so I'll say it here now is if you see something you like, buy it. Don't wait for that last big discount. We can talk about discounts um, in a little bit if you'd like, but um, you're not going to necessarily get it. And the product might not even be there. What retailers have done based on our data is pull back on their assortment. And so what we saw is um, for Cyber Week in the US, we saw a shrinkage of 6% of product catalogs. So Hmm. retailers are being conservative. They're selling what they know or hope is available. But there is a concern as we go into these last couple of weeks of the holiday, as the last mile and shipping cutoff window starts to creep up. Uh, what it will look like for those replenishable items if they actually will be replenishable. But what we thought was super interesting, as I just mentioned, is retailers were really being conservative and um, trying to do, you know, going deeper in their inventory rather than going broader in their assortment. And that's evident by what we saw in Cyber Week with a 6% decrease in the product catalog. Whereas generally speaking for Cyber Week, you're seeing you know anywhere from a five to 10, in some cases, a 15% increase in that product catalog. Interesting. Um, and then let's flip to the other side. Uh, you know, Last year we had Shipageddon. Any indications there that, that the shipping infrastructure is having problems keeping up? Uh, you know, we're feeling a lot rosier than we did last year. Certainly, you hit it on the head with Shipageddon, and we we anticipated and saw 700 million packages at risk, and those, in most cases, were delayed. That was pulled back tremendously this year. Uh, retailers really moved over the course of the last 20 months from scrappy, standing up some pretty innovative, uh, but scrappy nonetheless, solutions for last mile. And they've really worked to scale that um, to not only do it effectively, but efficiently, efficiently meaning don't crush their margins by trying to get the product to the consumer. Uh, Buy online pickup store still seems to be the winner uh, this holiday. So those that put it in place over the course of the pandemic are actually seeing some really nice benefits from it. Um, One interesting fact that the team was able to gather was for those retailers on Black Friday that offered buy online pickup at store. So orders placed with the confidence at home and being able to pick up in and around the store grew at a 50% higher rate than those that didn't. So consumers, if you think about it, over the course of the pandemic, really you know showed loyalty to retailers who were able to provide health, safety, convenience, and trust. You know, the denominator there is removing the friction from the shopping process. And um, those that offered that service were really um, able to leverage and benefit from that and the new consumer baseline of removing the friction. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an interesting uh, thing on the last mile. Uh, 
last year, Amazon passed FedEx in terms of the amount of packages they delivered themselves, right? And they're, depending on how you count, something like 30 to 40% of all e-commerce. They made a little news this week when one of the supply chain guys said that he expects by the end of this year or the first quarter of next year, that they'll not only will they ship more packages than than uh, FedEx, they'll ship more packages than UPS. So Amazon could be the lar- the largest non governmental um, last last mile in the in the country by next year. Yeah, you I mean it's quite amazing um, how large Amazon has gotten with last mile. And I give credit to anybody who isn't last. Uh, excuse me, who isn't Amazon and who isn't a big box retailer who has, you know, some capital to throw at the last mile challenge. And, you know, those that partnered with these, you know, collaborative networks to be able to um, outsource, if you will, the the last mile, or even uh, provide buy in line, pick up store to, you know, outsource the last mile to the consumers have really benefited. And, you know, where we saw unfortunate gap between the large players and the neighborhood and local players, I think, you know, somewhat of leveling the playing field will be uh, leveraging the stores, not only for a fulfillment center, but an experiential center as well. And I know I'm shifting a little bit, but just something that comes to mind, Jason and Scott is, you know, our, our research showed coming into this holiday, those retailers, um, that leverage their store for more than just scanning and bagging will benefit. In fact, 60% of online orders will be influenced by the physical store. Let me say that again. 60% of digital will be influenced by the store, which is somewhat the opposite that Forrester really came at us with five, 10 years ago about digital orders influencing store orders. And you know that could be whether the store is generating demand or fulfilling demand. And that could be from fulfillment or store associates being social media managers or, um, you know, even service agents, whether they're in the store or they're picking up micro shifts at home. Uh, And then certainly, obviously, pickpacking and shipping and getting the products ready to either be picked up or fulfilled from there. So I know that was a little bit of a tangent to say, you know, most don't have the scale uh, of an Amazon. Um, and so you got to get really crafty and innovative of how you're going to kind of level the playing field, particularly around last mile. Yeah, no, totally agree. And it's it's actually, um, if you have too much free time on your hands, it's really fun to read all these retailer um, Q3 earnings reports because like they often embedded in the back of that, they do talk about like the percentage of their sales that are fulfilled by store or influenced from store. And that that's a standout stat for almost every retailer now is how important that store is for the digital supply chain. So that's that exactly mirrors um, your data. Uh, I want to like, there's so much going on this holiday. I feel like we could, we could do a two hour show, which we won't do to our listeners. But um, another interesting one is, pricing promotion and inflation and how all that pays out like it was a lot of the growth from this year in your guys estimation was it inflation and consumers just paying more for less or how or what was it yeah um yeah we got the data and it's it's fascinating it is really it's you know it's fascinating on one hand but it's like pretty basic on the other which is a lot of the growth was driven by increased prices 
And so what we saw, for instance, over Cyber Week, the average selling price was up 11% in the US and 5% globally. What we also saw at the same time is that order volume was lower and average order value was higher. So the math says that people are buying fewer items at fewer retailers because they have kind of a zero sum game, right? They have a specific budget. And so if you're buying things at higher prices, you're buying less of those things. And, um, you know, you could equate the 11% increase of average selling price to inflation. And we're seeing that across the board, meaning across the different product categories. So, you know, that's happening. Um, we predicted that for the second half of the year, retailers and brands, we're going to have an incremental $223 billion of cost of goods sold. And that's from manufacturing, supply chain, labor. They absorbed a good amount of it, but um, they had to pass some on to the consumers. Consumers, they're happy. They're positive. They want to focus on <clears throat> buying things that they want versus just needs. And so they bought. Um, now, what retailers did to the discount piece of this and why consumers are likely to lose out on discount chicken this year is discounts were the lowest levels and we've seen in risk. Uh, when I say that discount rates were some of the lowest we've seen in recent history. And so um, the discount and the rates being lower, I think it's something like um, 8% down year over year in the US is because, you know, Retailers just had to hold their own, right, and really protect some of the margin. And um, you know, even on Cyber Monday, where you see some of the biggest discounts, it just wasn't happening this year. Yeah, interesting. You know, you you talked about retail, uh, consumers picking fewer retailers and and buying you know fewer items for more money. I wonder. To me, that sounds like it's it's a recipe for sort of a retail. Um, I, I hate using this word because Steve Dennis will get all excited. Uh, bifurcation um, that, you know, if if consumers are buying less items, then their first choice retailer is likely to win. And their you know, kind of longer tail retailers are likely to lose. Is, are you seeing that at all? Or do you, you think that's how it's going to play out this year? Yeah, I do. Um, just plainly, you know, loyalty has been redefined. We you know, mentioned it before in terms of health, safety, convenience and trust. Now that's the baseline. And retailers uh, really need to focus. You know what we're hearing from consumers: uh, they want to be treated special. They want to be, you know, they don't know what personalization means, but when you ask them the attributes of it, um, they want that, right? They want to feel like they're unique. Two thirds um, say they want to uh, have a unique experience and feel like they're being treated uniquely. Uh, the challenge, based on research that we just conducted, is only one third of retailers can actually harness and democratize that data and turn it into personalized promotions and prices and offers. And so, yeah, there's this, uh, we'll give a shout out to Steve. Hey, Steve, happy holidays. Um, there is this bifurcation taking place and it's, you know, so important, especially as we go into this cookie world for retailers to really harness their data more than they ever have. It's not a new story, right? We've been talking about it for a while, but uh, this first part of this, Zero party data is so important uh, because that same research showed three strikes and you're out. After three bad experiences, 
uh, re- uh, with a retailer or brand, a consumer is going to abandon and go somewhere else and not come back. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Jason, I think you're onto something. This bifurcation and uh, a need to really not just acquire, uh, but think about the consumers that you have, those loyal shoppers. Yeah. If only there was some kind of tool set that merged like commerce and data and it all lived like, I don't know, in the cloud, that would be amazing. It would be kind of amazing, wouldn't it? I, you know, I think we're in a pretty good spot. Some, someone should do that. Um, <laughs> another thing that's been interesting to me uh, regarding the inflation is uh, it seems like some retailers are passing more of the the costs on to consumers than others. And it's been funny. I don't you know if you followed all these all these Q3 earnings, but there's retailers that are like, um, we pulled a lot of levers. We got a lot of extra inventory in, but it came in way more expensive. We didn't raise our prices a lot. And so our sales have been great, but our profitability is down. And then there have been other retailers that are like, uh, consumers have been willing to pay more for our goods. So our, our, our sales are up and our profitability is up. And, uh, side note, I don't, I don't follow this as much, but the investors, like the retailers that took the profit a lot more than the retailers that acted as a shock absorber. (laughs) (laughs) Shocker. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, generally that equation that you just talked about, not only sales, but profit come back into play here. Uh, Retailers, for what I've seen, have gotten somewhat of a hall pass over the course of the pandemic because, um, you know, the focus on consumer safety, associate safety, getting the product through the supply chain. Um, and so any retailers took a hit there. I think we're taking, you know, a uh, refocus, you know, back onto profitability. And, you know, that's why it's interesting. I was hosting a roundtable virtually just recently. And, you know, one of the participants, one of the executives reminded all of us is of the profitability of the box, right? Uh, we kind of lost sight of that. What I mean by that, obviously, the physical store. And I think we lost sight of that. Purposely uh, over the course of the last 20 months, but you know, I think we're going to have to uh, really hunker down and relook at what that looks like, especially as you know consumers have gotten used to having a lot of flexibility and choice around how they get and where they get the product. Cool. Um, Interesting data from the categories. Uh, Apparel has been under a lot of pressure since the pandemic. Um, Electronics have been surging. Home improvement seems to be running nonstop. Any any changes to those kind of trends we've seen for the last 18 months? Yeah. You know, I'll look, I'll I'll give you some information across Cyber Week um, because it's most recent, but I think it it speaks to what's happening, Scott, or what has happened over the last 20 months. Um, what we saw in the hottest categories across Cyber Week are luxury handbags with a 60% year-over-year growth, furniture at a 56% year-over-year growth, and general footwear at a 22% year-over-year growth. Now, luxury handbags and general apparel, I get it. That's going off of a base that shrunk last year. Nobody saw my feet on any Zooms. Right. So my slippers were just fine. Luxury handbags. I know we weren't really going out to many restaurants, so didn't necessarily need to refresh that. So the growth on a lower base or a shrinking base from last year makes sense. We're getting back out in the world. You know, we're focusing on experiential categories as consumers like entertainment and travel and being outdoors. 
What really is super interesting is furniture. Um, you know, furniture has been on a tear uh, because we've all been home and whether we're redoing our outdoor patio set, because that's where we're spending time outdoor, I did for the holiday, as I mentioned, or it's my home office. Uh, you know, what I can think about as my team look through the data is it's a shifting slightly of what people are buying for their home. They're buying more entertainment type of products, whether it's home appliances or it's couches or the like, where people are coming back into your home after a long respite and uh, we want to spruce up our home as well. So, it, you know, like I said, the handbags, footwear, I, I get it, um, which is great to see. Furniture, it, you know, there's really been no lull <laughs> uh, over the course of the pandemic and as we come through this holiday. Interesting. How about um, any interesting toys you want to highlight? Like uh, I think Jason mentioned the Mixie as one that was kind of called out as being a hot toy. Ooh, any, I don't know, Jason, what's the Mixie? Tell me more. Am I getting that right? Mixie, uh, Pixie. You are. I don't, I actually haven't seen any data on whether it came to fruition, but the toy, it was the toy, the toy industry was leaning into and it's like a, it's like a combination of a chemistry toy with a plushie. So like, oh. like it creates smoke and then a plushie comes out of the smoke, I think is the, um, the gist of it. Uh, uh, the, the, the big toy I've seen uh, in terms of sales velocity is, is that the gaming platforms are selling like hotcakes. Yeah. 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 That's what I was going to say. And it's really just a sample size of one where it's like for my boys, 15 and 12, they're all about whatever's digital, uh, whether that's devices or games on those devices. So, uh, you know, shopping has gotten a little easier on one hand, but we have to also be really creative as well. Yeah, I, I wonder. We'll see how it plays out. But um, it, it doesn't feel like Last Mile has had a big impact on on shopping up till now. But like even if if Last Mile holds up and there's no capacity problems, we still have these holiday cutoffs, right? You know, we still get to this date where we can no longer cost effectively ship something to your home in time for the holidays. Um, and I, I feel like there's there's more digital gifts out there than ever before. So you yeah. think of all the the streaming services you can gift a subscription to, all the content for these these gaming platforms and these computing platforms. And I, I'm not super bullish for this holiday, but like I I, I think we're going to see more retailers offering NFTs and things this year. So it, I, I'm kind of curious if the back half of uh, um, December becomes the sort of digital holiday season. Yeah, we certainly saw that, didn't we, Jason, last year in terms of the shipping cutoff uh, coming really early you know, on the heels of Cyber Monday because of the last mile issues. And um, a lot of retailers really honed in on gift cards um, as another uh, source of a gift. And I, I think you're right. I think you're right in terms of you know whether it's NFTs, maybe we're a little early for that, but we'll see. Um, my colleague, Michelle Grant, has been tracking that really closely, and she's pretty bullish about the whole category as it relates to not only gifts, but the intersection between that and loyalty programs. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, whether it's gift cards to restaurants or travel or the like um, gaming, as you mentioned, Jason, I think there's something that um, I really think there's something to that. Yeah. Um, well, listen, this has been a super exciting conversation. Um, and I always like to end it on a total Debbie Downer note. Um, so <laughs> oh boy. the, um, I'm curious if you have seen or if you guys are 
trying to figure out how you're going to model like any impact from the new COVID variant. Like in, in my world, it feels like people were definitely planning to get together in more in-person events, but it does seem like people are starting to second guess those as all the, the news articles are talking about. Um, what is, uh, what's the correct pronunciation? Is it Omicron? Omicron? Sounds good to me. I'll, I'll let you stick to that one. I won't try to because I know I'll got gotcha. you. I think of Peyton Manning screaming Omaha is my kind <laughs> of mnemonic. Point. I like that reference. Nicely done. Yeah, um, it's a good question. I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I ho- only hope we can see each other in person at NRF in January. Uh, you know, we're we're at Salesforce tracking just you know this new digital world really closely because we're not going back to uh, the same you know, mindset as we had before, as our newly uh, assigned co-CEO put it is work isn't where you go, but it's what you do. And, uh, you know, we're living in this digital headquarters and it's going to be hybrid. Um, I've attended plenty of hybrid types of executive meetings over the course of the last month or two, as people start to get back on the road. As it relates to retail, um, you know, I can't really speak to what's to come, but what I can say is you know, we tracked digital sales across the last 20 months as it relates to cases. And maybe it shouldn't be a surprise, you know, as non-essential stores closed, and I hope that doesn't happen again, but people want to hunker down and be home and order products online. There was a direct correlation between cases and uh, order and sales growth. In fact, over the course of 2020, we saw a 50% year over year growth. Um, and by the way, that was, uh, I'm sorry, 57% to be precise. And that was driven in large part by a 40% growth in net new digital shoppers. So these are people who would hang out a line, right? They go to social media, they'd be able to browse and do some research, but they ultimately go in the store and buy. They're also buying new categories as well. And so, um, you know, as things, as we look forward, uh, we can certainly, based on history, see a correlation between digital, which has set a whole new baseline, as I mentioned before, and what that looks like as it relates to traffic, orders, and sales. Yeah, uh, it, it is, um, there is no short, uh, uh, of variables uh, to impact this holiday. It's, it, it feels like we've gone from playing checkers to playing 3D, 3D chess a little bit with all this stuff. Yeah, you're right. I need to bring in my 15-year-old to help me play that game because, oh. uh, yeah, I'm a couple moves behind. But, you know, we can look at data and uh, that's the fun part about or part of the fun part about my job is, is looking at the data and seeing what people have done. I, I I do love it. And that's why we love having you on the show so much is because you you bring the data. Um, and Rob, that is going to be a perfect place uh, to wrap for tonight because we have used up all our allotted time on this special Cyber Week slash Hanukkah edition of the show. Uh, so if uh, you if listeners enjoyed this show, we sure would appreciate it as our holiday gift. If you would uh, jump onto iTunes and give us that five star review. Rob, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the day after Cyber Monday. Um, you guys have a fancy, cool new portal or uh, I don't know what you want to hub. Um, how do folks find that? 
we do have the insights hub for the holiday. And so perhaps we can in the show notes or however you do it these days, um, share it with the crew. But if you also search Salesforce holiday insights hub, you'll get right to it. So you'll see um, all the data that I talked about and even more across marketing as we get further into the holiday season, you'll see it for service as well. And so I encourage uh, your listeners uh, to engage through that portal. And, you know, Scott, Jason, thank you so much. Sincerely. I mean, um, it's been a long week, not a lot of sleep for the team and me, but um, it's been a highlight to share this with you and, and make this an annual tradition. So happy, healthy, and safe holiday season. Thanks, Rob. We'll have uh, Jason put a link to the the hub on his Friendster page. <laughs> Perfect. I will do it. I will put it in, in all the socials. Uh, and uh, um, if folks want to keep track of the Garfies, that's uh, it's Retail Rob, right? Is it uh, Retail right. Rob Garf? Is that your Twitter handle? You got it. Retail Rob Garf. And then I'm on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. I will put links to all of the above. Uh, Rob, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, it's one of, one of the conversations I look forward to every year and uh, absolutely look forward to seeing you in person at the NRF Big Show next month. Uh, and until then, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 